Hi, my name is Francis, and I'm Alice, and welcome to this week's episode of Two Friends in a Pod, a place for friends to catch up on movies, music, TV, and all things pop culture. Yay! So, third episode of 2022. You play Wordle. My God, you're the second person to have asked me about this, and you know what? I don't. And you know what? It's totally on my alley. So I don't know why I don't. Girl, it's just the website. Oh my God, this is. A... Oh my God, I'm just a loser. <laughs> I feel so old. I've been playing Wordle, and it's is this my life? The word letter W is in a word in the correct spot. Oh, so you have to guess the word. Yeah. Do they give you clues? Well, you have to guess the first one, and then based on that, that's your clue. Like it'll tell you, oh, you got a letter right in that position, or that's the right letter, but it's in the wrong position. And then you, based on that, you build a new word, and then you have like six tries max to get the word. You just put in a word. Yeah, but like your first word should be strategic. So your first word should like have maximum number of vowels <laughs> if you want to like oh, okay. play it strategically. But if you can honestly put any five-letter word. Okay. So I put in mouth. Okay. And there's like an O-T-H comes up as yellow, which means that they are in the word but not in mm-hmm. the right position. Am yes. I right? Okay. Yes. Um, my brain hurts already. <laughs> <laughs> give, give me some time. Like, obviously, I can't do it now. I'm usually <laughs> concentrating, you know. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, yeah my, my brother asked me the same thing. He's like, do you feel oh, a battle? I've been playing for like a month now. And it's, yeah. it's what gives me strength to wake up in the morning. Because I'm like, oh, oh there'll be a new battle. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Why isn't this an app? Because a guy just made it for his girlfriend during the pandemic. Mm. Because she really likes puzzles or something. So he made her this little game. So it's supposed to be just for her, but then it became really popular. It kicked off and went viral. Mm. And then now he's sold it to the New York Times for like a million dollars. Oh, nice. (laughs) Not bad. Happy girlfriend, a million dollars. Win-win. Yeah, Yeah, that's not bad. (laughs) Yeah. Interesting. Why am I not surprised that your brother plays? Of course he does. Yeah. In his <laughs> in his Birkenstocks or whatever. <laughs> or his Crocs. <laughs> oh, both. <laughs> we are just going to recap some of the things that we've been watching this week. I think first thing, and this is something that we actually watched together in the same household. <laughs> face to face. Face to face, or rather, face facing the TV screen together, <laughs> side by side, <laughs> side by side is probably the most accurate description. It was, <laughs> and there was something that caught caught our eye on the Netflix homepage. We'd seen the trailer previously, and it looked it looked fun. But if I think when we started watching it, it was clear that it was what it was. Anyway, I'm skipping around it, but the, <laughs> the TV show is called. The woman in the house across the street from the girl in the window. And that is a title that we'll never remember. But the show itself is memorable, I would say. So starring Kristen Bell, I think most notably. It was trending. Was it trending? I don't know. It just caught our eye because it looks so ridiculous, I think. And it's clearly like a parody of all the sort of thriller movies that are coming out. Or I think even in the book genre where it's like the woman in, in the train or the Woman, the woman across the street, the yeah. woman in the window, the woman <laughs> somewhere, and it's like a murder happened, but did it really? And you know, the yeah. twists and turns and psychological drama. 
So it's clearly <laughs> a parody of that. So, and I think because it's Custom Bell as well, we're like, yeah, yeah. we'll watch it. I think it's also maybe a reflection on the type of person who likes, who stereotypically likes to consume true crime novels slash stories as well. You know, like this woman drinking wine, just being like, I'm a detective. I know. I'm going to say a white woman, like a white middle-aged <laughs> okay, well, I mean, mom, suburban mom, wine mom, football mom, yeah. soccer mom. That's that demographic. Yes, that. I, <laughs> I was trying to also skip around that, but yes, I, I think that's the kind of vision that you have in your mind. Not that they're the only types of people who watch it, of course. Younger white women also watch it. <laughs> And so do, like, I guess a lot of our peers and we often, we sometimes, not often maybe, but we do sometimes um, indulge in the true crime genre, I would say. Yeah, I don't think it's grabbed either of us as strongly because it seems like you always hear about the new true crime podcast or TV show or documentary. And I know we dip into some of them, but we're not, we're not like obsessed with that genre. Mm. Part of me feels weird to me super into true crime like proper true crime documentaries and stuff because I'm in the back of my mind I'm like that's someone real like mm-hmm. who passed or something horrible happened and we'll never know and their poor family and then I'm like it's strange to find that entertaining in like a in a fun way does that make sense like it's more horrifying than fun I yeah. think maybe how I see it. It's strange as well because I think you definitely have had in the past years a couple of examples of where podcasts or documentaries have actually helped uncover certain things mm-hmm. or maybe change the course of certain investigations. But I think you've also seen the flip side where yeah. people get too obsessed with real life stories and start coming up with their own theories and digging and making a spectacle out of like real people's lives. In an yeah. inappropriate way. I, I'm talking about the Gabby Petito case or whatever, where it just became like this TikTok detective saga, mm. which probably wasn't helping the actual investigation. I think it didn't help the events that followed the disappearance of her in which, you know, mm. her boyfriend ran away because he knew that he would get caught, yeah. basically, right? <laughs> It helped and it didn't help. It kind of like, yeah. if that never happened, maybe she would never have been found. But if that happened, then maybe her partner would have been, uh, you know, you never know, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's so hard to say. And that's why I like always come to the genre with an air of caution, I think, as mm-hmm. well. Wanting to know like what's fact and like maybe what's speculation. Because I've definitely seen documentaries where it has been purely speculation from people who have like zero authority to talk about things like that. And I think it makes it to be, like feel fluffier than what it should be when actually something serious has happened. You know, it's often about young girls disappearing, um, who've been assaulted. Like it's yeah. pretty like serious stuff. So it's not something that you kind of want to take too lightly. Like it's dangerous. It's a mixed bag as all things are. <laughs> You know, like they have families and friends who mm. are maybe processing this and maybe it doesn't help to have like your, you know, a loved one salt be like so huge mm. in the media when maybe that's not what you want. Mm. But the woman in the window girl street, that show, 
<laughs> I keep forgetting the title. The woman in the house across the street from the girl in the window. I have it on my screen at the moment. Yeah, we're going to make it into a song. It's like a rhythm yeah. when you say that. I'm like, drop a beat. <laughs> the woman in the I can't. <laughs> it definitely makes fun of that trope. So it's like this Kristen Bell plays a woman who drinks copious amounts of wine like she has like a whole bowl of wine corks that just clearly <laughs> are a cry for help <laughs> and she's just always staring out a window and looking at her neighbors and just spying on them and reading into all these little details and it can you know becomes convinced that a murder has happened and believes that she's the best person to investigate it and starts digging and doing crazy things essentially yeah i think the wine is a big you could almost say it's a um, part of the cast, really. <laughs> it's featured quite prominently. The bowl of corks is always featured on the table as well. She's always pouring wine, you know, after the school drop-off, she's seen pouring that wine um, right to the very top. So she has to take a little sip before she carries it over to a chair <laughs> where she'll fall asleep and then spill it. I heard that um, Kristen Bell, when they were filming, at first it was grape juice. Yeah. And then she drank it and she was like, I, I can't drink this for the whole show because it's way too sweet to, for me. Like it has way too much sugar. And then they switched it to hibiscus tea. So that's yeah. what she's drinking for the remainder of the show. <laughs> not real wine. <laughs> of, of course not. Like that would be that sh- the Can show you imagine? two times as long. <laughs> she would just be drunk and not remember any other lines. And also, yeah, having to consume the amount of grape juice as well. Like nobody could do it. Like you, nobody would hate grape do it. juice. At the end of that yeah exactly but yeah like this was really fun and actually we watched it all in one sitting which was <laughs> as with i guess any like true crime show there's always like the cliffhanger um and lots of twists and turns so after every episode we're just like what like you know it was a lot what of happened? fun <laughs> like what happened what could possibly happen and because it is taking that true crime genre like you know in the extre- in the extreme so it's like massive twists massive turns um so you don't know almost like what's real and what's not not real and i think that's all because kind of part of the fun of the viewer themselves like trying to piece together the puzzle and figure out what happened like did she see what she saw she did then what happened like why and if she did it then i don't know like what 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 basically what who what why <laughs> yeah it's i think it's a type of show that's fun to watch in a group because you're mm-hmm. all sort of like buying into it and you know hyping yourselves yeah. up and yeah. just because there are so many ridiculous lines like i can't remember one now but you know it's all extremely cheesy because you know mm-hmm. it's making fun of the genre and it's all stuff like this case has to be broken into because if I don't break it in, who will? Or some ridiculous, like super <laughs> cheesy, doesn't really make sense. It's all word salad. It doesn't mean anything yeah. in the end. But she says it so seriously, like, if they don't know who they are, but I do, then it's up to me. And it's just like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay, lady. Yeah, because remember, she's a very suburban mom. She <laughs> yeah, has zero... She's like an artist, so she has zero like experience with anything of this sort. She definitely shouldn't be dabbling in anything like this. She should definitely leave it to the police. But I think it's one of those stories where like the police are incompetent, so I must mm. step up because <laughs> I'm better than that. 
it's quite funny because yeah there's just like the police are always just knocking at her door yeah they're almost friends at that point and then they'll like pull some evidence from you know out of nowhere <laughs> to prove a point i don't know it's it's really ridiculous but it's a lot of fun and yeah like watching in a group you're just like we're all like laughing at the same things and being like that's so silly and then we just you know continue sitting there w- waiting for more <laughs> so yeah like that was like a actual i feel like we thought it was going to be at least enjoyable but I didn't think we would have as much fun as we did Mm. so in that I would recommend that to people who have any knowledge of like the true crime genre and and enjoy it in any respect because um yeah I think you'd appreciate this one each episode's only like 20 minutes so it it goes by quite quickly I think we were like oh eight episodes 20 minutes is only a couple of hours it's so doable and I mean it is doable just (laughs) yeah I mean it was (laughs) the half hour chunks it somehow makes it seem like it's nothing and because it is a comedy as well it moves quite fast as well and if we can do spoiler talk just for a second and i'll put like a warning for spoilers but the most ridiculous thing about it was that you find out that her psychiatrist who has been prescribing her pills (laughs) and who she's been talking on the phone and being like oh i need to vent to you and share my feelings as you know a psychologist does turns out to be Mm -hmm. her ex-husband yeah, the most incompetent psychiatrist I've ever seen in my life. Not only was he prescribing her pills as husband and also psychiatrist, but he was also taking those calls whilst he was on the job with people who actually needed help. Like, excuse me, revoke his license right now. <laughs> license needs to be cancelled. Also, he left his daughter in the cell with a cannibal. <laughs> Army hammer absolutely the worst person on the show you think while you're watching that you know uh Kristen Bell's character is needs a lot of help like she's she's clearly crying out for help she's struggling but by the end of the show you're like her ex-husband is the reason we're all in this mess he's <laughs> he's he's the center of all the problems from her daughter's yeah. issue like dying to everything it's yeah it's him he's the issue yeah, yeah. He is the and whoever gave him is medical license because clearly i learned nothing about the job while studying (laughs) (laughs) like miss a class where you talk about ethics and stuff like you just didn't do it well yeah yeah, which is totally i mean yeah and then at the end when everything was all good and she was recovering in the hospital and then everyone just just sending her flowers being like couldn't have done this without you thank goodness you're here and help solve help solve this crime I was like, that is, I don't know. That's it's just a message. <laughs> That's why yeah. she gets on the plane and she's like, another mystery to solve. Oh, yeah, the girl. I, um, I could do it. The girl across the cruise or something. Yeah, yeah. The girl on the cruise. The, the girl on the cruise. No one else saw it. And then what happened? Who knows? Who knows? Only she knows. Only she can solve it. Because she's the only one who saw it. When we all have eyes, but I'm the only one who can see. It's up to me. We should be writing these stories. Yeah, I mean, yeah, easy, so easy. <laughs> um, and yeah, Kristen Bell, she's she's great in comedy. Um, and she has previous sleuth experience as Veronica Mars. <laughs> I would say that she's like the less sassy, less intuitive Veronica Mars. So if Veronica Mars had like a breakdown and was very unhappy in her marriage and drank too much wine, this is the detective she would end up as. <laughs> 
yeah, maybe. Thinking back to her high school glory days and be like, oh, it was all the best then. Yeah. I really peaked in high school. Yes, exactly. Definitely a recommend, I think, from both of us. Yeah, a lot of fun. Very easy to pass the time. Very, <laughs> evidently very easy. And the other TV show that has kind of come out is Euphoria. So that came back for season two after, when did the first season come out? Like, I want to say two years ago. Like, it was a while ago, wasn't it? Was it pre-pandemic? I feel like it was because I feel like I watched yeah. it during the first lockdown. Time flies when you're battling a virus. Yeah, I actually don't remember. I'm just looking it up. It was one of the reasons we got binge. So it's first air in 2019. So yeah, it was pre-pandemic for us. So yeah, we binged that first season during the first lockdown on binge. And then now the new season has come out. Um, And there's a lot of, I guess because it was such a popular show, there's a lot of like eyes on it. Would you say it's probably one of the more popular teenage-based shows at the moment? Do we want to say that? I don't know if that's just bu- yeah. purely because we're on that side of the internet that all watch Euphoria. <laughs> <laughs> that we think that everyone watches Euphoria. I think everyone watches <laughs> No, but I think the only competitor really is like Gossip Girl. Mm-hmm. Which isn't on the same wavelength. That's the new real. season, which yeah. is like definitely not on the same wavelength. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And didn't Euphoria get like a lot of awards, buzz and all that stuff. So yeah, it's definitely... I think it's like one of the most popular teen shows. Though whether yeah. it's made for teens is a whole nother. Yeah, that's issue. I guess the question. <laughs> because I would say it's a not very realistic. I mean, when is it ever? But it's not like a very realistic depiction of actual teenage life. However, the teenage characters themselves are a real reflection of teenagers, if that makes mm. sense. Like the, the story isn't real for us. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know, it could be someone else's reality, but it's not ours, you know, like with all the drugs and the sex and the, I don't know, you know, Barbie Ferreira's character, how she was doing like videos, what are they called, yeah. cam girl videos, yeah. like all that sort of stuff, that's not our reality, however, no. the they are based on like how a teenager would actually react in that situation or (laughs) navigate those situations, I think is where it's coming from. So it feels real, even though it's very heightened. And then in addition, like the, we always talk about the, the looks of Euphoria. So the costuming is pretty iconic at this point, like the makeup and the the clothing and stuff. So it's all like, I think helped to create, maybe make Euphoria stand out in that space. I would add another element to that is the music of the show as yeah. well. Yeah. And it has pretty big cast members. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, like Zendaya. Um, Zendaya. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it has her in it. Yeah. Also, maybe it's also how it's shot as well. Like the yeah. um, actual scenes themselves are quite like conceptual in in feel. So maybe yeah. it's just like a, it's just a mixture of things where, which make the show good to great. It definitely takes what tries to take a more cinematic approach, I think, mm. to its its visual language, I guess, of the show, especially if you care, compare it to other teen shows like what, like Gossip Girl or like Riverdale or whatever. Mm. Um, 
But yeah, I, I do find it funny how before the start of every season, Zendaya has to be like, hey, I know a lot of teens like me, but this show isn't actually suitable for you, so <laughs> please don't watch it. Yeah, she has to put like a warning out to because it does deal with very heavy stuff. Like again, it is about teens, but their reality may not <laughs> necessarily reflect <laughs> yours. Yeah, so you know, again, there's a lot of like it's abuse, it's it's drug use. There's a whole heap of things that are happening. Yeah, so I wanted to ask you, so you, the first for the first two episodes of season two, mm-hmm. um, what were your expectations and like you know mm-hmm. what, what's your like first impression of where the season is going so far purely based on episode one and two um i was very happy to see jules come back yeah so at the end of season one we saw jules and rue separate at the train station very heartbreaking let's be honest <laughs> um so i was i was happy to see jules come back at that new year's party her and Jules, uh, Rue, Rue and Jules, I'm getting mixed up with the names. Rue and Jules are reunited, but I was expecting that to happen much later in the season. I think time has passed by between seasons one and season two. Like I would say like a few months maybe because they're still in high school. But I would have thought there would be more build up to that reconciliation. But I think some of that is actually that they've come together because they clearly do like love each other very much but that they're not they're both not ready to be that committed to one person I think now Jules starting to get a bit jealous of Rue's friendship with what's his name oh yeah um and then Rue mm-hmm. has also not like let go of her drug addiction she's unable to put that behind her I guess which is something that was a big what do you call it plot point <laughs> it, was a big, it was a big plot point um, between her and Jill. like that that's kind of what drove them apart in the first place it was that drug use that she couldn't seem to let go and she used Jules as an excuse almost to not do it so Jules felt a lot of pressure to a lot of pressure on herself to keep Rue clean I guess and she didn't want that to be her role in Rue's life because it made her feel like guilt I guess if she was to go off somewhere or wasn't with Rue, then she would be thinking that Rue's like off doing something that she's not supposed to be doing. Other than that, I think it's become a bit of a Cassie show, which I was not expecting. I think I was very disappointed in her in, ep- in the first episode <laughs> yeah. just because I was like, that's your best friend and it's Nate. Like he's not worth it. He's not even worth it. Nate is absolute trash. He's absolute trash. I feel bad for Maddie. She, but I get why Maddie is the way she is with Nate. Cassie, I'm mm-hmm. not sure. Mm. Like, why? Why Nate? And yeah, that bathroom scene, which I think we've all seen part, bits of, was yeah. so <laughs> nerve wracking. <laughs> you're like, please don't look into yeah. the bathtub. But also, why are you in the bathtub in the first place? Think about it. Yeah. Why did you go into the bathroom with Nate in the first place? Yeah, like why? It's not, yeah. not worth it. But anyway, that was kind of the, the two main, I guess, plot points that I'm seeing that I was kind of like, oh, I'm surprised. Mm. I think the other thing is everyone likes Lexi and Fez. Cute couple. But Fez is kind of like, he's not your... <laughs> drug dealer. <laughs> yeah, like he's not a good boy by any means. Um, yeah. And Lexi, I think her face when... Fez beat up Nate um, in the news party, says it all. Like, oh, yeah. he's like, 
I like him, but he's dangerous. Like he's yeah. legitimately like a bad person or not like a bad person, but he deals with bad people. He's not afraid to like throw a fist or whatever. But yeah, lots of like nuances coming. Only because we've seen like the first two episodes. Well, I have only seen the first two episodes. I know that all these, all this is kind of like building up until mm. yeah, the climax of the season. I'm sure it's all gonna come out. What about you, what what are your initial thoughts? I feel like there's like, like a whole heap happening even in the first two these uh, first two episodes. Well, I was definitely excited for it to come back because. I think one of the things that we listed before Euphoria really stood out to us as a more of a unique show and that's why we enjoyed it so much. It does something a bit different, you know, just in its like representation of different identities and different people that some teen shows haven't done, like especially in like a more mainstream TV show. So I think there's like positives there. I don't know, like the season's been good so far. I really felt bad for Cassie, but then also I'm just like, girl, you need it get a grip yeah like, right this is what friends are for are you? yeah the moment nate looks at you you're just like okay i'm like no <laughs> no I'm just okay. because the man's looking at you doesn't mean you need to walk off with him like she has so many issues like she clearly has deep mm. like deep psychological issues like low self-esteem i think i'm like girl you, you need help <laughs> i think they all do <laughs> They all have severe issues. Mm. But yeah, but Nate, I hate Nate. Every hate time I look Nate. at his face, I just want to punch him. We hate Nate. Slash, hate what's Nate. his name? Frank Jacob Elordi. <laughs> yeah. He's only played trash people in his whole lifetime. So mm. I can't even support him as an Australian. Oh, is he Australian? That's disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's, a, he's a fellow Aussie. <laughs> we do not claim him on this podcast. <laughs> not, not. We kick him out of the country. Yeah. Strip him of his citizenship. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Alex Hawk, you did Djokovic and this is your second one. That's true. <laughs> Reason for no visa is a dick. Is <laughs> <laughs> either anti-vax or a dick. <laughs> the two criteria. So yeah, there's yeah a lot of drama. Rue and Jules, like I feel so sad that Rue has relapsed. Obviously, like, you know, addiction is a, is not like a, simple journey you don't just quit and then everything's fine like you obviously dip and you know you relapse and then you get clean again it's always like the that journey but I feel so bad because I feel like there's so much pressure on Jules who is also like literally just a teenager who's again I think being forced to act as sort of like her sponsor or something and look out for and like yeah shoulder that responsibility of being like if she relapses or if she ODs then it's me because I didn't look after her enough or I didn't spot the signs so I feel sad for her yeah definitely I think between seasons one and two we did actually get like separate episodes um of Jules and also Rue and we saw Rue talk about her um addiction with someone that she'd met at Narcotics Anonymous, I think. And it was like talking about the whole road to addiction and how how everyone has their own journey with it. I think Rue's journey at the moment is that she can't let go of it um, and she's mm. back to wanting that feeling that the drugs give her even with Jules still in her or with even with Jules back in her mm. life. Yeah, it's a journey and everyone on the show is on a journey, clearly. 
it's just like hard to see because you can see there's also just like a lot of love that she has for her family and for Jules. So it's hard to see her do that to herself. But yeah, in Jules's episode as well, you saw that her mom was actually struggling with addiction. So mm-hmm. there's like another layer of that where she has someone really close to her, you know, struggling with addiction. And now she's seeing that in Rue as well. So I think that's another challenge for her when she feels like she has to shoulder not only her mom but also Rue and it's like too much for her mm. in a way. I think the only person who has like a healthy relationship is Kat. Mm. With Ethan. Yeah, as you can see, she's uh, struggling with that relationship too only because although it's good, it's not what she had expected or hoped for it to be as well. Yeah, that's the only healthy relationship in the whole. In the no whole, one is happy. No one is happy, but everyone looks really good. <laughs> At least you look good. You look good, but you're sad, so I'm not sure. <laughs> I think this season, you know, brings the same sort of really, you know, dramatic visual flair. It's shot really nicely. The looks are great. The makeup is great. So that's all back, and the acting is like top notch. But it does feel to me that it's sort of become more explicit. And I don't know if it's because it's been such a long time since since season one that I've just mm-hmm. like forgotten bits. But it does seem more loosey-goosey with like the nudity, especially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wonder if it's just something that they have taken on board because people were accepting of season one so readily and enjoyed that it was authentic in a way. So they're just kind of like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, the other thing I've heard, I guess, on the nudity front is that there are some scenes, he wanted Cassidy to have more nude scenes and he wanted that Mm. other actress who was like a former sex worker to do some things nude and there was a bit of pushback to that. So I think that's been in the media a lot. And I know Mm -hmm. Sydney Sweeney has said, no, like, I'm fine with it. Like, I I was fine with all the scenes that I did and if I didn't want a scene, do a scene. It's not like Sam told me I have to do it. I was forced into it. But Mm. it does seem like at least... Just like the, from the vibe on the internet, it's it's like, well, is this something when she looks back in five or ten years, she'll mm. say, actually, there was like a power difference there. Like maybe I did some things that I wasn't completely comfortable with because I was younger and I was mm. like an up, up and coming actress and maybe I didn't feel like I could say no to these things. But looking back on it now, I would have or stuff like that. So it, yeah, it makes me wonder, I guess. Uh, what the legacy of Euphoria will be and how well it will age in like five or ten years. That's true because she's quite young, isn't she? And she's actually done quite a few things outside of Euphoria um, in between. Mm. Like we know she did like White Lotus, um, that kind of thing. So maybe she, like, you know, there's always a potential that she's comfortable at the moment because it's just like, yeah, whatever, I'm a young and it's a, it's a job and I'm famous for it. Yeah, I guess the question is more like, is it required? Maybe. Mm. And in some scenes, potentially, yes, like it adds to the again authenticity of like the scene um, and that experience. But in some cases, where could we like just kind of draw a line between like over-sexualizing women, especially a woman who has been sexualized herself on the, on the show, like her character yeah, exactly. herself. Her is whole point sexualized. of the show is that. Yeah. She's been unfairly and cruelly sexualized yeah. by her peers. That line between like fiction, what's fictional and what's actually just like real life. And yeah. it's sort of like muddying the water a little bit. 
for art, but at some point it's like, well, art can have morals too. Well, I think the one scene that really sticks out to me from, I think, the first episode is when that really tense scene that you're talking about where Cassie and Nate are in the bathroom and mm. they were obviously having sex and then they get interrupted by Maddie. It's actually pretty funny because Maddie's like making fun of Nate and accusing him of taking his mm. shit. And she's just like relentless. She won't stop. She's like banging on the door. She's <laughs> like, are you taking a shit? Are you taking a shit at a party? But essentially, Cassie's so scared, obviously, because Maddie's obviously like her best friend, but also a force of nature and will like, I don't know, punch her head mm. in. And so Nate's trying to help her get dressed. And there's like a clear shot where it's just like her boobs and like Nate's mm. head, like her head's not even in the shot. It's just very close. Mm. And I think it's that type of example that's been discussed probably on the internet being like, was that, like, why is that shot in there? It's literally yeah, just why? like a close-up of her bare breasts. Yeah. Why was it necessary yeah. to the scene? Like it could have yeah. been done effectively without as many other shows have done, I mm. guess. I wonder. I did also read that Euphoria is just this era's glee. And we all know how glee turned out. Wait, why? I think because of said, like, controversies, things happening uh, between actors on cast and things like that. Like, again, as you kind of speculated, like, well, what's going to happen in five, ten years before it's going to be? And it could be that it's just going to be very overshadowed by events so i guess to people mm-hmm. who haven't watched glee or like can't remember glee um like the glee <laughs> series was very very popular at the time i even watched it it was, it was a lot mm-hmm. of fun i watched it yeah and like it kind of was progressive for that period of time because it showed people who were disabled people who were of color being main characters and doing something that was kind of geeky and making it cool I think that was like the sort of like idea that we were kind of getting from it however looking back at Glee now all I can see is the problems that kind of arose from that cast it was a very what what would you say it's kind of like a cursed cast who has walked away from that show unscathed I think is probably the good question Rachel Lee who played like the main character has been accused of racism and bullying from the beginning but very prominently in the last couple of years yeah I mean the problems with that Glee cast range I mean from the stuff you've already mentioned to like one of the cast members being found in like child sex abuse materials like it's wild yeah, one of the main cast members as well, like not yeah. even just a side character. And then, yeah, we've just had like multiple deaths really from that cast. I think the other thing is people looking at the teacher role in the Glee Club and thinking that that it's it was sexualizing like the students and teachers. Like, so what we thought was progressive, like you know, not a, like less than ten years ago, really, is now being like just coloured with controversy and drama it's hard to say that and we shouldn't be watching you for it with it being with it being like oh this is going to be problematic in 10 years so I won't watch it like can't be like that I guess but mm. it does make you wonder right I find it so funny how much of a joke Glee has become mm-hmm. after it was such a popular show and it really dominated like the tv landscape for a bit how yeah no one really looks back on it kindly I think <laughs> Especially yeah. not like the younger generation and it's become such a joke. Especially the teacher like Will, mm. whatever his character's name is. 
Schuster. Yeah. He's, he's just made fun of. He's relentlessly cyberbullied on TikTok, which is hilarious. Yeah. And also my favorite scene from Glee that looking back on it now is so ridiculous is where they sing Lady Gaga's Born This Way and they're all wearing T-shirts mm-hmm. that have like something they were born with that, you know, they should be proud of. And then one of them says like Lebanese, like, yeah, being proud of your identity or, you know, Leah Michelle's character, the thing that she should be proud of on a t-shirt, it just says nose. Oh, God. <laughs> for Harry Shum Jr., it just says can't sing. And for the cheerleader, it just says Lucy Kabusi. Like it's... Ah, uh, because <laughs> she was like the slutty cheerleader. <laughs> and Will Schuster's t-shirt says butt chin. Okay. This is, like, this is not age well. <laughs> it's like, I know what they're going for, but... It really comes across as, like, stereotyping or, like, bullying. It comes across as trivializing being proud of who you are or, like, the things that people might have made fun of you for. Oh, my goodness. Like, one woman has, like, the other teacher has OCD because I think she was shown in the show to have, like, OCD. Yeah. So she's like, no, but I have OCD and I'm, like, I'm happy, like, you know, I'm proud it's who I am, whatever. And then another Mm. person next to her. Just says can't dance. <laughs> you got trouty mouth. I'm with stupid. Likes boys. Can't dance. Yeah, likes boys. Like you know, I've been probably made to feel shame for my sexuality. Is next to a person with a t-shirt that says bad attitude. Or the guy who says I'm with stupid and is pointing to his penis. Yeah, it's a very interesting concept. I think they might have been running out of ideas at this point. <laughs> I do think it's a later season, given the song, but yeah. Yeah, it doesn't excuse it, right? Yeah, it's just funny. I just find it very funny to look back on it. Yeah. I think, like, to be honest, probably if we were to watch, like, the first season again, it might be all right. Mm. It's just the way it devolved into this messiness. Yeah, Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, you can't (laughs) think of Glee now without thinking of all the things that are going to come afterwards. Like, I can't even remember, like, any of the episodes now. I just remember start in it and what happened to them what didn't happen to them (laughs) so yeah yeah it'd be interesting to see how something so big as euphoria kind of ages in the next 10 years because like yeah for the moment it is very progressive i would say in the in the scope of um teenage genres but because i think it does push boundaries we'll see Mm, we'll see i think this particular season is inviting more discussion around that because i think it's it has become a bit edgier a bit more explicit Mm. it it feels like veering away from like its original intent maybe yeah who knows i mean it shows a lot of dick as well so they could be like well you know it's equal opportunity nudity but i think Mm. there's like a slight there's still a bit of a slight difference the way they do it the way they show cassie's Mm. body particularly yeah, because it's not just like that first episode. We shall see. And I wonder if how much see. of it is just like filler versus. Yeah, <laughs> not that they should be using it as filler, but like I said, the onset drama hopefully doesn't mm-hmm. overshadow like what could be a great show. And, you know, Kat's a really fun character. I'd be so sad if her scenes got yeah. cut because I, with I really liked Sam. her character in season one. Just because that, that character arc, I think, was really fun to watch from her being quite shy and reserved to being a literal, like, tricks 
Like, Material I love that. girl. Yeah, love that for her. <laughs> yeah, Euphoria. I guess I'd be keen to hear your thoughts after you watch more of the, the episodes that are out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm not binging them because there's so few of them. <laughs> <laughs> did you end up watching it on that weekend? Was it a relaxing activity for you? I think I did watch one episode that weekend. It's not relaxing. Like, but I yeah. both knew that it wasn't going to be relaxing. Yeah. It was entertaining but not relaxing. Maybe after we'll do a recap when the season's finished. We'll yes. do like final thoughts on Euphoria, which, yeah. On a lighter topic, on something that was fairly relaxing to watch, The Royal Treatment, which <laughs> was actually one of the movies that we mentioned um, when we were talking about movies that were coming out in 2022, came out maybe last week or the week before onto Netflix, star- starring Ali from Ali and Austin, a.k.a. Laura Murano, and then also Aladdin from the movie Aladdin, Mena Masood. I was thinking, mm. because these two people can sing, both of them can sing. Mm. Aladdin from Ali Austin is a singer. Aladdin from Aladdin is also, he does his own songs in the movie. So I was actually surprised mm. to hear no songs in this movie, and I just mm. thought... What a lost opportunity to do a pop star, like, <laughs> you know, like the Cinderella pop star version, like straight to video, you know, like the one that Selena Gomez did. I'm thinking of that one specifically. Oh, I thought you were thinking of the Amazon Prime one. <laughs> oh God, I forgot about that one. That one. Oh, oh. I forgot about that one. <laughs> yeah. So this movie was actually produced by Laura Morano, Ellen Morano and Vanessa Morano. So it was a family effort. Mm, kept it in the family family and then it was actually filmed <laughs> in new zealand yeah that's one of the things if you watch it with the context that it was filmed in new zealand so many things mm-hmm. make sense like the accents like, why <laughs> everyone in this fictional royal country they go to they basically just went to new zealand <laughs> yeah yes basically <laughs> except for um men Masood, he doesn't have a new zealand accent maybe they should have gotten a new zealand yeah. actor that would have been fun they should have because yeah. literally every side character in that country has a New Zealand mm. accent. Yeah. Like a Kiwi accent, except mm. for like the royal family who sound British, <laughs> vaguely British. Yeah. I don't yeah. get it. I, I feel like they always do that. Like any royal family, they're like, they've got to be British. Why not? But if we're going to make up a country, why can't they just like have New Zealand accents? Maybe we have a royal family like in Southern Hemisphere. I mean, we kind of do, but you know, we don't. I <laughs> do. But she's, yeah. She's leaving us soon. <laughs> to heaven? or <laughs> She's just on her way. <laughs> Did you notice that this is in the same cinematic universe as the, wait, the royal, what's the one in Aldovia? The royal the princess. Prince? The one with the baby and the journalist? Oh, no. Yes, or that the princess one. Witch. <laughs> or Nurse Belgravia, sorry. A Christmas prince, sorry. It's in the same universe as a Christmas prince. Crazy. I mean, I guess that's them just trying to like bank on Netflix's production, right? And like, hint, hint, I know you watched The Christmas Prince too. Because <laughs> you probably did, to be real. Same demographic. <laughs> Us. <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know. Like, it's a pretty simplistic plot, I would say. There were zero <laughs> surprises. <laughs> As with all movies, but I think especially this one, it was so, I think, cheesy. Is that the right word? Did you like it or not? 
What's your What's your take on it? I think it was one of those ones that like passed me by, and I was like,、mm-hmm. okay, that I I spent like an hour and a half watching that, but I'm gonna、mm-hmm. like forget it real quick. <laughs>、mm-hmm. If we weren't talking about this podcast, I on in this podcast, I think I would have just been like, I would have forgotten that I watched it. Yeah, potentially, except for the fact that it has Laura Moreno, who like I genuinely like. You like her, her fake Italian accent in this movie, which keeps dropping out. <laughs> it's the it's the Jersey accent. Is it Jersey or is it Brooklyn? I think she's trying、it、to be、Jersey. Italian, but it's like, like that the Italian、um, American Italian type. New York. Yeah, yeah, kind of like Joey from Friends, but it's not consistent. Like sometimes it's there, and sometimes she forgets to put it on. <laughs> yeah, because she doesn't actually speak like that, but she is half Italian. But she's an actor. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> I feel pretty similar to you. It was just like one of those movies that exists, and you watch it, and then, and then you never think about that movie again. However,、mm-hmm. there was a scene where I absolutely lost my mind,、mm. and it made me laugh so hard I cried. Okay,、so、for that, this is <laughs> so that purely that reason. There is value in that movie. In this、yeah. movie, okay. Yeah. Right, let's talk about the plot first because <laughs> yeah, <okay> . there isn't much to it. This is very simple. So Laura Morano plays what's her name? Izzy. Izzy. <laughs> so she plays Izzy. She's a hairdresser. Oh, she owns a hairdresser in New York. I think she works with some pretty incompetent people and also a family. Um, they almost burn down her salon, and then by accident, the prince assistant calls her to do the prince's hair. Finds herself、yes. cutting his hair, but then she walks out before she cuts the、yeah. hair. The important thing to know about Izzy is that she's like super humble, so you know that in the beginning because she's just the first time you see her, she's just walking down the street handing out donuts to kids, and she's、yeah. super friendly. She's like you know one with the people. She's、yeah. like you know with the she's like a cute, just regular gal,、folk. and you like want to be a friend so that、yeah. you can get donuts from her, basically. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one reason, and、mm-hmm. she could cut your hair for you. So win win, free donuts, free haircut. So yeah, she goes to the prince to cut his hair because it's going to be a real big payday. I think she's charging like five hundred dollars for the haircut.、Mm. One of his assistants being really mean to a server who's bringing him tea, and she like drops the tea, and then she gets all yelled at. And then you know, easy because she's so humble. She's a community gal. She's like, "How dare you be so rude? You're so entitled. You don't stick up for ordinary people. You're just like a prince who's privileged." Blah 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 blah. And that's、mm-hmm. why she doesn't cut his hair. Yeah, so she returns back to her salon, and then the prince, lo and behold, he's taken aback by her altruism. <laughs> he's probably like, "Oh, no one's ever talked back to me before like that." Yeah, because no one has. And then、yeah. he's very entranced by it,、um, and he's like, "You know what? I still want that haircut." And then she gives him the best haircut of his life. <laughs> before that, he's wearing an awful wig. They put Nina in a very top. Terrible wig. Okay, he's wearing a terrible wig, but also the way that he talks about his hair is like, oh my god, this accidentally happened, and I'm like, you are a prince. How did a bad like? How did your hair become so bad on accident? Like, it's literally your job to look good. Like, yeah. And if it's not you, it's someone else to t- that will tell you that you need to look good. Like, you don't have to go around being like, I need a haircut. Someone will tell you you need a haircut and book it in for you. Like. I don't know how you got to this stage. Like someone neglected this prince, especially because you see 
that he has like that like crazy French lady who's really strict and on top of his fashion supposedly. So yeah. definitely she would have been like before we even got to that stage, like we need to cut yeah. your hair, like images everything, you're the prince. So yeah. Question marks there. Question mark on how his hair got to this stage in the first place. Like it's just it doesn't feel realistic, you know? I can't believe it. <laughs> like, like, I cannot like, suspend my disbelief. Like, this whole movie could have been avoided. <laughs> if someone just took care. But then he wouldn't find love. No, but he'd have good hair. Like, he That's was true. walking around for probably a good month or so before he got his hair cut. I'm like, just think about it. This is, <laughs> like, how to be a public figure 101. <laughs> Yeah, better hair and saves $500. But alas, Izzy cuts his hair and he's also like falls in love with the vibe of the hair salon because, you know, even Mm. though her workers are all incompetent, they're like friendly, they're, you know, vibing with each other. There's like this sense of family. The Italian Mm. nonna makes him lasagna and he's just like, oh, I love this. Like, I don't get this sort of love from my family. So he just, (laughs) you know, he's like, I wish I could be part of this family. He's the cold, tortured prince, isn't he? With bad hair. <laughs> With bad, bad hair. And then, so basically, they back and everyone's like, wow, you look really good because you got a haircut. And he's engaged to a, another woman, but they're not in love. It's purely a political move, I think. Um, and then they mm. need someone to do the hair and make up for the wedding. So they're like, we know someone in New York who can do hair. Good. And so Lizzie scores another gig and this is just because she's such a good person and said no to the prince in the first place. Well, yeah, I think Izzy's spunk catches the eye of like Walter, who is, I don't know, like the prince's butler or basically that sort of role. He's the one who yeah. recommends. It's like a PA. And she's like, yeah, actually, I know a really good hairdresser. She's really in demand. They're the best. They're not. <laughs> I think the tagline of the salon is like the best in New York or something. You know how every store every. Um, claims to be the best. We've got the best yeah. coffee in New York or whatever. But yeah. So Izzy and her two friends, whose names I do not remember, fly to this country, uh, this country east of Aldovia, where our favorite Christmas prince is residing. And they agree to do the hair and makeup for the wedding for $50,000. Ka-ching. Very nice. Very, Very nice. nice. And Izzy and Co really need the money because they're behind on rent. And... <laughs> Their salon keeps burning down. The salon's yeah. electricity is like gonna fry them one day. It's a bad situation. Yeah, it's bad, but also her workers are the worst. Yeah. Like there's a sign in the kitchen that clearly says, do not do this. And then they go they and do, do this. And I'm like, yeah. come on, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and then she has to pay for all the rewrite rewiring out of her own holiday fund which she keeps in a globe in the store yeah and they all know that she has that fun and yet they still do shit like this like just <laughs> maddening maddening i was mad by the fact she didn't put in a high interest savings account <laughs> that's just poor financial management cash pile <laughs> that anyone can steal yeah but anyway not everyone is financially literate so this is why we need to teach people these things <laughs> And yeah, basically they travel all the way to this country, again, east of Aldovia, and then they get to stay in a castle. So there's a couple of scenes of them just like running around and discovering, you know, beautiful bedrooms and, you know, Izzy gets her own bedroom because Walter says like the prince was, feels bad that he made a bad first impression and wanted to make it up to her. 
And then I think one of the first scenes we see here is where the French lady brings them in and is like, well, if you're going to do the hair and makeup for the wedding, I need to test your skills and see how good you are. Mm-hmm. So then she brings in like people from like the gardener and two housekeepers and makes them do the makeup. And this scene stood out to me because it just seemed like a paid advertisement for Batiste dry shampoo. <laughs> Product placement. They were going hard with that Batiste. Why do you need Batiste to start here? <laughs> That's why you're not the best salon in New York. That's true. That's true. Maybe I need to bring out the Batiste. Um, and then, like, they have the so the male that um, Izzy makes over. He's like the stable boy, and he's like a bit disheveled. And then she does is basically shakes his face and his hair, and it's like, wow, you're a magician. Wow, <laughs> you're so good. <laughs> wow, like so she gets a free pass. So she's like, you're good, you're fine. Her friends who are a little bit incompetent, but like. They're not really, they're just like not professional, right? They make over the two like housemaids, but they do them in their own style. And so the really uppity lady was just like, no, 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 this is, this is no, not no, how no. you do hair. And it's like, well, it's not how you do hair, but it's how you do a hair, you know? But she makes them like go through like basically like a boot camp on how to do hair, even though they're <laughs> hairdressers that they've paid. Yeah, I think their style is more like, as the kids would say, they go to Euphoria High School. <laughs> but this lady wants them to be a bit more refined. She mm. says stuff like, oh, the hair of royals is different to commoners <laughs> in this tragic accent. <laughs> and the boot yeah. camp is so weird because it's just them making scissor motions with their yeah. fingers. Like, yeah, they're yeah. practicing like cutting, but like they're not cutting hair. They're just like cutting the air and like going yeah. like this. And I'm like, I think that's what they were doing, but it doesn't mean it's going to turn out to be like... A royal hairstyle. Anyways, it's a bit strange because it's like, it feels like, yeah, obviously it's played for comedy, but I'm like, it's also not that funny, but maybe that's just us being critical of it. Well, especially that boot camp scene where they're just cutting the air like you described, it goes on for a really long time. And I was like, this joke wasn't even funny, but it just stopped being even the tiniest bit funny like Mm. 30 seconds ago. So I don't know why we're still watching them cut air. Yeah. I guess the next bit of this is that Izzy goes out to the town and she like discovers, I still don't know the name of this country. It's like east of Aldovia. She discovers what it's like and it's like a very diverse town and it looks really nice. But then when you cross the train tracks, when you go to the wrong (laughs) side of the tracks, it's literally just like poverty. Symbolic that she crosses the tracks and you, (laughs) there's a scene where you just see her like slowly cross the train tracks and you're like, ah, something's like, I I think you straight away go to that very classic um, line, you know, wrong side of the tracks, whatever. Yeah. Uh, and yet, as you say, like, it's just a town stricken with poverty. They literally have like horses pulling carriages and stuff like that. And they're wearing like old fashioned, it's like almost like time travel. And mm. I think someone actually, someone there actually mentions that they are like on the wrong side of the track or something like that, as if it wasn't already obvious what the uh, metaphor was. <laughs> They're really like <laughs> hammering that metaphor. Because, yeah, I think it's called like Uber de Glees, and he says that means from the other side of the tracks. So it's like, I get it. I, I get it. A close up shot of her feet going over the train tracks. Like, I get it. <laughs> I get it. She's on the wrong side now, as opposed to the right uh, side. Uh, <laughs> um, and Izzy, injustice, yeah. the absolute inequality of it all. And she actually makes friends with some of the uh, townspeople, we find as well. 
and joined in in their activities. So basically, you know, continuing with this theme, she's like making friends and she makes friends with the people who work around the castle, like the guards, you know, she gives them baked goods as well. So she's just being her classic New York Izzy self, but in another country. And then she's still kind of like telling of the prince. So in one scene, he's like driving by and she asks him like how many gardeners they have and he doesn't know the answer. So she gives him a bit of sass for that. But you get a hint that this country, or at least this royal family, is in financial disarray because this prince is riding a car with roll-up windows. Roll-up. <laughs> he manually... I was like... <laughs> in this day and age, which prince is, like, manually rolling off his windows? Well, yeah, I mean, we, we. I know this country is meant to be set in modern times, but, yeah, it does kind of show that this country, you know, not as rich as they would hope to be, as we said, mm. with the wrong side of the town. They are just so not of modern times like it's not even like poor it's just like yeah you haven't seen the outside ever yeah it's, it's beyond like, poor it's- i don't think they have like internet or telephones that's how it seems it's like the, just like the way they portray yeah. <laughs> with the cobblestone streets and all that they don't even have cars like <laughs> well how can they have cars when the prince rides in a bad car that must be really good compared to no car <laughs> <laughs> So it's kind of like, well, where is yeah. this country? Where, what year is this? Where is it? <laughs> it's east of Aldovia. <laughs> oh, what year? <laughs> it's really unclear. <laughs> it's, just, it's just so jarring, I think, because it isn't just like yeah. oh, there are homeless people everywhere and that's really sad. It's like these people literally living in the dark ages. <laughs> How did this happen? I mean anyone saw that i think you'd be equally shocked like you don't have to be a good person to be like something's wrong (laughs) this ain't right here (laughs) (laughs) these people need to get out (laughs) like you don't need to be like izzy level like handing donuts on on the street um which also i guess like i know she's like from a small community but like I just don't know that's what would happen in New York. It's like a bustling, <laughs> like everyone's out for themselves kind of city. I just, I just know someone would take advantage of Izzy, which I guess we find out that they do. But like, you just know that someone would be like, I'm so hungry. And then just like, take the whole box. Take the like, thing. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, you know, Izzy, she's the go-getter. She's not afraid of anything. So one night she decides, I'm going, you know, make the most of this trip. I'm going to explore the nightlife. So she pretties herself up. She's wearing a beautiful yellow dress. And then Walter's like, where are you going? Like, you can't go out at night. It's dangerous. Like, he full scares her. And she's like, please, I'm a New York gal in her bad Italian accent. So she goes Mm. out, but he insists that the prince follow her as a chaperone. And then they go to Mm -hmm. the Uber or the wrong side of the tracks. And at first, the prince is like, oh, I'm scared. And my parents told me this place is dangerous. I can't come here. But they realize it's like a flourishing community. And even though people aren't as rich as maybe they're from people like literally on the other side of the train tracks, they love each other and they mm-hmm. dance and they have food. And there's like a big sense of community and love there. And he realizes mm-hmm. that citizens are all worth protecting. Wow. People matter. That was a really people strong matter. lesson for him to learn. I think like <laughs> the fact that he didn't even balk at the idea of there being a dangerous part of town like, mm. as a prince, you should probably care. You should probably be like, why? So how do we help that? <laughs> yeah. Why is it yeah, dangerous like, and how do we make it safe? Why is it dangerous? I wonder. He's just like, it's dangerous. <laughs> like, oh, my God, I can't go. Like, you are the <laughs> more, like, <laughs> I many questions. But it's popping. 
all the New Zealander side characters are dancing, selling grilled meats, street food. It's all very fun. And then Izzy meets like a little girl, Esme, and she takes her to the school they go to. And her school doesn't even have like chairs or anything. They all sit on cushions on the floor. Like, it's pretty sad. And the sign is like falling off the wall. Look, if that doesn't change your mind, (laughs) what will? I just don't think they need to go that far to like prove a point. (laughs) It's very clear that this place needs money. And it's very clear that the prince is like so sheltered. Like he doesn't even know the national dance. Of course he's sheltered. He doesn't even know how to organize his own haircut. Like incom like so many incompetent people in this movie. No wonder this country is failing. (laughs) Yeah. But you know, it's okay. They dance together, they bond, they have a cute little Mm -hmm. night out, and then Mm -hmm. they like stargaze together and share their tragic backstories. So her backstory is that her father passed and her father was like, I guess, worked in the community or something. And now she feels responsible to help her mother and like stay with the hair salon, even though her dream probably is to become like a a work at the community center as a director or whatever, because she's really good at that. And then his backstory is that his mom died and he has to be a prince and he feels pressure. To do what as a prince? All he has to do is show up apparently. That's my question. Uh, I shouldn't shouldn't be mean to him. I'm sure he has many struggles. (laughs) But this is the really, the frustrating bit because she's like, I want to do more than just be a hairdresser. But like, you know, I have all these limitations, like financial, whatever. And he's just like, why are you just a hairdresser? And I'm like, bitch. Excuse me. Why are you just a prince? (laughs) Just a prince. (laughs) Taking up space in this world with no value. (laughs) Taking up space and money that could be feeding the people on the wrong side of the tracks. who literally have no internet. Anyway. At least it seems like they don't. <laughs> yeah. So we find out, yeah. Surely don't, right? <laughs> the marriage like, he's, um, he's engaged to, but that marriage is for the money. So the parents are like, we're poor. We need like financial aid. So mm. this marriage will help. I don't know how much <laughs> money this family has, but it's enough to save. So therefore, they're like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we need you to marry her. And then it seemed well, we also see the girl as well. Like at first we think, oh, she's just like those typical pretty girls. But she doesn't play like a villain character. Also has her own hopes and dreams. I think she wants to start a business. And she kind of like gives that idea to him. And he's just like, yeah, yeah, whatever. He doesn't really like take her seriously. But I think she's like actually wanting mm. to. What's her idea? I think it's for like designer. She wants to make purses for dogs. Yes, that's correct. She has a business idea. And at first I was like, is this a joke or is this like legitimately what she wants to do? I mean, kudos if you want to do that, but also like you could do anything. But she you could do really anything. like dogs. Yeah, I'm sure she does. You have to be passionate about something like that to do something like that. But I was just like, it's just so jarring because it's like, mm. we don't know anything about this girl, right? We just yeah. She's a pretty girl who comes from a rich family. And then the only thing that she kind of says is that she wants to do designer purses for dogs. I'm like, I don't know how to take that. <laughs> I, think. I think the only upside of that is that, you know, like you said, they didn't villainize her. She wasn't the jealous, petty other woman. She's just a gal who wants to make purses for dogs. Yeah. Like, she's just, I have a goal and it's this. And it's like, okay, kudos. Yeah. For her. Yeah. So I think in the end, they both agree that they don't want to get married to each other. So I guess that worked out. 
<laughs> yeah, the plan was for her family. I think her dad is like a big developer, hotel developer, actually. So I think the plan was to sell the Uber to him so he could redevelop it into like a resort or something. So I think the the king tries to convince the prince it's actually good for the community, but really it would just be forcing them out of their homes. The king actually seems pretty incompetent, to be honest. Everyone's incompetent. And that's why in the situation they're in at the moment, right? Yeah, basically after their date, the prince tells Izzy, be the change you want to see in the world, like drops a Gandhi quote on her and is like, you can do anything, like dream big, anything's possible. You're just not like mm-hmm. a prince, but anything's possible. <laughs> you don't have money. <laughs> you don't have money, influence, privilege, but you can do anything you want. So she like kind of puts a plan into action and then she starts like this campaign to gather kids' toys, get people to donate kids' toys and other bits of like furniture and stuff so she can give it to the school and help the kids that are on the wrong side of the tracks. And she kind of ropes the prince into this project. And you can see that he's also like trying to better himself. Like he learns how many gardeners there are in the palace. He drives her to the Uber with like the truck with all the toys in it and donates some like palace furniture as well that he knows isn't being used. But I guess the problem here is that the mother of Lauren, who is his current fiance, just kind of gets wind of them to connecting and sees a bit of chemistry there. So she follows them to the Uber and takes photos for nefarious yeah. purposes. For the tabloids. Um, and I just want to say that one of the headings on the tabloids was Italian tomato seduces prince. What now, do you make Alice. of that? <laughs> what do you make of that? That's the exact scene. That's the exact <laughs> scene where I, I laughed so hard. I had tears <laughs> in my eyes. <laughs> to reiterate, like, yeah, this, <laughs> this woman takes pictures of them. It looks like they're canoodling or whatever, like she's fixing his hair. Like it's an innocent... On, in the photo, it looks like more than that. And it's splashed on the front page where it says, Italian tomato seduces prince. <laughs> I'm like, what? I've never, never in my life heard someone being described as an Italian tomato. <laughs> Why would you write that? I get the Italian reference, but I don't get the tomato reference. <laughs> I'm like, is well, is being called a tomato an insult? <laughs> Just, like, is what, because Italians make tomato sauce for spaghetti? Like, she doesn't even have red hair. Like, why is she an Italian tomato? tomato? So not even, like... <laughs> <laughs> so not even, like, Italian tomato sauce? They might as well have called it, like, spaghetti. Like... <laughs> Spaghetti. Like spaghetti. Italian spaghetti uses prince. <laughs> why, why tomato? I feel like that's unfair to tomatoes because tomatoes are not anything. They're so inoffensive. Why Italian? Like, yeah. I mean, I get. Also, if you zoom into the article, mm-hmm. and this is like apparently on the Lavania, or the country they live in is like Lavania, Lavania mm-hmm. Post. They've been around since 1846, and the standard of their journalism is Italian tomato seduces prince. 
But if you zoom in onto the article, it says, the prince has been seen in Lavania surrounded with a mysterious dark-haired female of unknown origins. So how do you know she's Italian? Just the way she talks? I don't know. She talks like an Italian. Maybe they are referring to unknown origin as in, like, they don't know where she came from. Mm. Not like talking about her ethnicity. <laughs> you just look at it and you're like, mm, that's an Italian tomato right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Italian tomato seduces Prince. Okay, and the yeah. funniest bit of that headline is it's ridiculous. It's such a crazy headline, but no one in the movie comments on it. They just go, yeah, yeah, Italian tomatoes. Oh, my God, like, what a horrible article. But they're not like, yeah. what a stupid like they're headline. <laughs> offended by it. Like, it's yeah. an actual insult. Not like Italian tomato. How do they know I'm Italian? Like, like, what not the even like, does that mean? You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I kept thinking about what would it be if, like, she was played by like a Chinese girl. Would they have written Chinese dumpling seduces prince? Because that just seems so racist. Yeah, but Italian tomato doesn't feel that bad. <laughs> yeah. But it's still so weird. Italian yeah, tomato I'm... seduces prince. If I Google Italian tomato, <laughs> the first search is for Italian tomatoes, a guide on Italy magazine. And I think it just talks about tomatoes from Italy. So there's no mm. specific like tomato that's called Italian tomato like there are different types of tomatoes that are Italian like the Roma tomato and that mm. kind of thing so it, it doesn't explain why she's an Italian tomato is what I'm saying like there's, <laughs> no, there's no there was, there was no reason to call her a tomato they should have just like mysterious Italian woman seduces prince you know like why is she an Italian tomato <laughs> that's the insult the insult is that she's just nothing she's just a tomato <laughs> um, yeah I mean I'm not surprised by the the quality of journalism considering that you know said no internet nothing <laughs> I don't even think they have a university at that in this country <laughs> Look, there are a lot of incompetent people everywhere. I'm going to assume the journalists are, are the same. Maybe mm. in Lavania, calling people a tomato is the most insulting thing you can do. And then they just <laughs> added the um, Italian to just dif- differentiate herself. Mm. It's like the word for hussy or something. Yeah. Like, it, it, it's honestly hard to justify considering there was no context given as well. And then, as you say, no one commented on it. So they just kind of, like, rolled with it like that was a legitimate headline to add into the movie. Yeah, like, Izzy sees the headline and she's shocked and, you know, scandal is going down. And basically, she gets fired from her position as the makeup artist for the wedding. And then she's, like, you know, packing all the things and rushing out to the car to get back to the airport. And the prince comes out. He's like, no, Izzy, stay. Like, I, I need you to stay. Like, don't go. And then she just, like, points at the newspaper. She's like, Italian tomato seduces prince. <laughs> it's just like, like, how could they write this about me? And then, but she's not commenting on the fact that they called her a tomato. Yeah, she's just commenting on the fact that they wrote an article on her. It was like, yeah. false. Or their relationship, yeah. 
But the real issue is the tomato in that headline. <laughs> it should have been like, this is racist and untrue. Yeah, she should have had a line where they go, they called me a tomato? Yeah, like for what? It was a bit uncalled for. I'm not really yeah. sure. She's not like round. No, she's definitely not round. She's not short and squat. <laughs> there is no correlation between Laura Morano and tomato. There is correlation between her being Italian and Italian tomato. Does it live in diagram? Yeah. <laughs> is it tomato in that little <laughs> bit? <laughs> it isn't like Laura Morano, <laughs> Italian, and then tomato in the middle. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, all things stopped the moment I saw that headline. And I, had to, really? I had to pause the movie and I just lost my mind. I wonder who wrote that. Oh, they're a genius. <laughs> the prop department. I love them. Yeah, I feel like the rest of the movie doesn't even matter anymore. It's just that, that article. I mean, basically from here on, we have a slight like occasion in which, yeah, they get discovered and she gets fired. And then she's, like, sad, and then, like, he's sad. But then it's fine, because in the end, they just, like, get together. So it's fine. (laughs) Yeah. Basically, the wedding is going to go ahead. But then Walter does this speech to the prince where he's like, you know, I was, like, a poor boy from a village, and I got scouted to, like, teach the prince and be his tutor. And I had to say goodbye to the man I loved. So there's, like, you know, gay representation. (laughs) Netflix loves to do this. Love. Just slip it in. Just a little yeah. bit of gayness. And then be like, tick, tick, tick. Pat themselves on the back and be like, guys, we did it again. Representation. We ended again. homophobia. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome, LGBT. I know. But yeah, anyway, he's like, you know, what is what is anything? What is life without love? And the prince is like, oh my God, I should. I need to prioritize love. So then... He's like, you know, Laura, Laura and I can't marry you. And she's like, to be honest, I'd never wanted to marry you anyway, so it's fine. And then he goes to New York and rides up to Izzy on a horse and he's like, hey, love you. And they get together. <laughs> oh, cute. And then um, Izzy's side of the story is that her, her salon gets burnt down for real. Oh, yeah. The whole thing. It's Blonsky's. The poor thing. Um, so she finds out that that's, it's burnt beyond repair. She finds out that she's being scammed um, by mm. that landlord guy. But then she uses that opportunity to take up that position as the director for that community center, which she was offered before but felt like she couldn't take because um, she had to run the salon. So it's like a happy mm. ending for her in which, she, in which case she kind of gets what she wants. She's able to pursue her passion. And then the prince comes mm. riding in on his horse and carriage and then so she's also found love as well. Italian tomato gets everything she wants. I know. <laughs> Why is she an Italian tomato? She's an Italian and she's a tomato. <laughs> so clear. Would... <laughs> I don't get it. Anyway, happy ending. Indeed, a happy ending for the Italian tomato and her prince. Yay! And then as I think uh, when the end credits... Uh, start there's like little animations that show the endings for the rest of the side characters so like that french lady ends up dating the gardener or whatever the the guy that izzy made hot in her hairdressing test and also walter finds the love of his life again netflix are allies very cute (laughs) (laughs) but only for like a few seconds 
So there is one song that's sung by Laura Marano, like real life, um, and it just plays, like, I think, at the end of the movie, but she doesn't mm. sing it in the movie. And it's a song that I think she released by herself. This movie also has 22% on Rotten Tomatoes, but that's out of nine votes, so take that with a grand, grand, grain of salt. Also, it's probably deserving of that 22%, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> that 22% comes from that Italian tomato headline. Yeah, as soon as they saw the Italian tomato, they were like, it's a no from me. <laughs> they just stopped watching. But yeah. Wouldn't, yeah, just another disposable Netflix rom-com, I think. Uh, very disposable. For who in their right mind would submit to the editor, hey, how about we title this <laughs> Italian tomato? <laughs> Only in Lavinia. Oh, it's crazy there. I never want to visit that place ever again. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> so thank you to, for Netflix for expanding the Royal Prince um, universe. <laughs> this is like the MCU that we never yeah. wanted. Like the cross that Someone asked for is like Royal <laughs> Prince goes to Lavinia and then get called, I don't know, Aldovian. Aldovian oh cucumbers or something. As an insult. Uh, <laughs> maybe the titular journalist from Aldovia wrote that headline. Because we all know she's a shit journalist. Do you mean the queen herself or the princess herself? Yeah, the herself? queen. Yeah. Is she queen now? Yeah. Yeah, on her laptop, she's just making notes. She's written stupid notes. Maybe that's how it got published, because she's royalty. Yeah. She gets a pass, because she's the <laughs> queen. They get to they publish anything she writes. <laughs> Essentially. Completely forgettable for that one line. I can't unhear it now or unsee it. <laughs> but, I mean, did you have fun watching it at least? Yeah, it was fun. I don't know, like that line just captured my heart. But it's nice to see <laughs> Mina Masood get get other roles as well because I think he spoke quite publicly after being Aladdin that he wasn't getting any mm-hmm. any calls for auditions and it was like you know, finding it really hard, which I guess is disappointing after you've been the main character in such a big Disney film. You would expect that to sort of mm-hmm. help your career. And I think it was made worse by the fact that, do you remember in the live action Aladdin, they added that white prince from a European country as like the comedic relief character? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Disney announced that they were potentially making a spin off series with him as the main character. So, and not Aladdin. And not Aladdin. <laughs> And everyone was like in this sort of landscape when we should be improving representation and the type of characters we see on screen. Why are you giving like a whole series to like this side character that no one asked, that no one asked for when Aladdin is like right? Yeah, yeah. Like it is good to see that he is getting roles. I don't know if this is the role that I would have picked for him. I think he's much more talented. Mm. Actually, both these actors are much more talented. And the other thing is, mm. as you say, like he publicly had spoken out not about not getting roles and I think especially because Disney was careful in its choice of actors as well like an, an appropriate casting for Aladdin and mm. Mina Masood is is he Egyptian American or uh, Egyptian Canadian Canadian yeah yeah so it's like well you spend so much time finding someone appropriate and talent he's very talented he's a good singer he's a good actor like why wouldn't you like want to use him for like mm. other projects right I think there is an Aladdin 2 coming out, but I mean, if his only work is just Aladdin, like he's not even like doing small roles in other films. He's just like, hasn't got a huge 
what do you call it? IMDb. Discography. <laughs> 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 Filmography. Filmography. <laughs> His IMDb page has been very long. <laughs> it's been empty. Um, but yeah, it's sad because yeah, he's really like talented. So why? Yeah. why? Hopefully this is just maybe expanding his scope and he can do other things jumping off of this. Yeah, I think so. And I think we saw that even with his co-star, Naomi's, Naomi Scott, um, she did like Charlie's, Charlie's Angels. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully we get to see him in a few other things following mm. this. Maybe some other rom-coms on, on Netflix where they... I just think that his character is so one-dimensional. Um, he's almost like a, in the background. Like he hasn't got much of a personality, unfortunately. He's just kind of like, I'm a prince. And that's all I've got going for me. Again, if it wasn't anyone who was famous to us, um, and if we weren't talking about it, it would have just kind of been like, oh, yeah, I watched it. And then I would have just gone on to the next thing. Like not thought about it like ever again. Yeah, let's just hope for more movies in this Netflix royal cinematic universe. Yeah. <laughs> I'm waiting for the crossover. Yes. I want the well, two couples to meet and solve like a murder mystery or something. I don't know. That would be so fun. Or like something gets stolen from the palace. Yeah. Maybe they should pick another holiday and just like do that. Like Easter or something. Mm. The royal family at Easter. Um, and then they can, or maybe they can just do a crossover at Christmas. So like a Valentine's Day one. Oh God! Something about Saint Valentine, <laughs> like like Saint Valentine's crown or whatever he had disappeared. Yeah, to find it. Movies are easy. <laughs> the Princess Switch, like having to do all the like detective, detective work. work. Yeah, like a heist. Mm. Yeah, they have to save Valentine's Day. Oh no! What will we do without it? Hallmark will collapse. Or the roses will die and wither. <laughs> no one will make any money. Oh no, that's the saddest bit of all. Well, yeah, that was the royal treatment. There was very, a lot less hair cutting, but yeah, I was happy for more. I was happy for more. I was happy for more singing as well. But it is what it is. What it is. I don't think they had the budget to sing. It's just really sad. <laughs> Not much more to say there, except. So we weren't planning to think, like, to talk about it for that long. It just sort of happened. Now when you buy a can of tomatoes, you're going to be like, oh, my God, it's a tomato. <laughs> Forget that tattooed on my body. <laughs> Italian tomato. What would you be? Who would I be instead of an Italian tomato? Yeah. God, it'd have to be some sort of, like, tropical fruit, wouldn't it? Something Ooh. that's, like, like, a durian or, like, um, jackfruit. The durian, but adds like another level of insult, though. If we're, if we're talking about like fruit and veggies, I mean, yeah, durian, Asian durian, <laughs> just sounds like you're stinky. Yeah, it's like I'm just like <laughs> round and spiky, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, you smell really bad. Like, how dare that stinky, <laughs> spiky, round ball steal a prince? I guess that is insulting. <laughs> That's actually <laughs> insulting. I think Asian durian is actually. Of- more so than tomato, because I feel like tomatoes, although some people don't like them, I feel like are fairly inoffensive. I don't know. Would I be like Korean kimchi? Seduces prince. <laughs> that just feels really racist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
just trying to think like what else. Maybe it would be kimchi because it's just like the, the first association that you have. Yeah, Korean kimchi steals prints. That one has weird connotations. Like I'm kind of like, maybe the, the Korean kimchi would steal the prints. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like something maybe a Korean kimchi would do. <laughs> like, I'm shocked, but it's not unexpected, you know? <laughs> It's in line with the character <laughs> of, of the Korean kimchi. Yeah, spicy kimchi would steal the prince. So to be honest, it, yeah, it'd probably be like Asian something. Like Asian chopsticks or something. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, so bad. They all sound bad. I feel like it's like a minority group. Yeah, like it does <laughs> Sounds especially bad and like just sounds like we're hate criming ourselves. <laughs> yeah, like it just feels inappropriate, right? Soy sauce, fish sauce. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we'll we'll stop with the racism. <laughs> we're not. We're just trying to apply um, logic to mm. <laughs> <laughs> It's like those math questions. Italian tomato is to Korean what? All those like general ability <laughs> questions. And the selective test. <laughs> yeah. What about Chinese sausage? Okay, that's insulting. <laughs> I think because like when you call someone like a sausage, you're like, oh, that person's like a bit silly. Like, oh, you silly yeah. sausage. You know what I mean? And you add like <laughs> Chinese cute. sausage to it, you're like, excuse me? <laughs> like, you, you know call me what? Like, you call me yeah, what? <laughs> you want to. Want to start something? Aussie damper. <laughs> That's so specific. <laughs> if you heard damper, Aussie damper steals prints. I think you'd be like, just give the damper what they want. <laughs> <laughs> like, doesn't damper just feel really sad? Because. I mean, it tastes pretty good, I I think, because it's just it's, it's essentially bread. But it feels bread, sad yeah. because the idea of it is that you're in the bush and you have no other way of like <laughs> eating bread, so you have to like do the flour and the water and just like sadly mix it out in the bush, and then you've got damper. Like it tastes good. Like I'm not saying it doesn't taste good, but I'm just like yeah. if you had a choice between damper and bread. Like you probably pick bread, right? <laughs> <sighs> I feel like this is the kind of thing that there's so many variables. I don't know where mm-hmm. to begin. I now put in my second word. What'd you put in? Sloth, because I couldn't think of another Ooh. word. And I got the O right. So Ooh. have you done? Is it the same puzzle? Are we doing the same puzzle? Right. Yeah, everyone does the same puzzle. There's only one every day. Oh, amazing. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's like a joint activity that we're all doing separately. The whole universe is like connected through this one you single word. They have to guess. This is so <laughs> old school. Yeah, I'm saying that because if this was an app or whatever, like a new way of doing things, things would be randomly yeah. generated, and we'd be doing constant ones every day. So you'd be yeah. doing like a hundred wordles a day or something like that. This is just like one predetermined thing that's released every day. Everyone does it collectively, but not interactively. So like I'm yeah. not versing you directly. I'm just doing it on my own. Like akin to maybe doing the crossword every day or something like that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. So it's like 
Wow, that feels so like nostalgic in a way. Not that I ever did the crossword. Yeah. But it's it, it it is simple as times. And it it I think that feature of it being only once a day, that's what pulls you back in because you mm. can't just like tie yourself out by playing game after game. You're like, oh you did one, you're like, oh okay, I can't but wait I for the got next it. one. I got the word. You got it, yay. Am I a genius? You're a genius. <laughs> Oh my god, that's bad. Oh my god. Well, that's not your street. I couldn't think of another word. (laughs) You put the right word. (laughs) It's all I needed, right? Oh my god, that's so good. Do you have to log in or anything and then that will keep you? No. Then how does it know that it's me? Oh, if you use the same device, it'll just be your cookies and your history. Oh my god, technology. (laughs) (laughs) So now in like, I think the next one comes up into... In 12 minutes. Oh my god. Next wordle. Yeah. It's fun to win. This is Genki. <laughs> wait, wait, what? Have it's you heard Genki? of Genki? What's Genki? Uh, I'll link you. It's... <laughs> Let's go. I'm scared. What's Genki? You like it. You like it. You like it. Okay. Well, maybe, you, maybe you'll like it. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, Genki Forest... Mm-hmm. Is a is a sparkling water drink from Asia. Comes in many different flavors. So the one I linked you is grape because it mm-hmm. tastes like grape Fanta ish, but it's sparkling water, so it's not like sweet. Also, it's like sweetened, not mm-hmm. like sugar sweetened. So like zero calorie, whatever, blah blah blah. Yeah, but yeah. It's, like, it's flavored sparkling water. I've mm-hmm. only had the grape one, but the grape one is good. Like if you want like a refreshing drink that's not like super intense like you know how great fanta has a very like syrupy taste mm. it's not as much lighter on the palate but it has that great flavor so if you want something a bit more refreshing thinking and they have like different flavors like i really wanted to try the white strawberry and coconut and they have like mm. lychee and peach like your typical flavors i think they also have cucumber as well mm. but yeah it comes in a wide variety of flavors and i think I got a pack at Woolies once. Yeah. And the other one I got from Macquarie, the, the Green Grocer. I like the Frank, like Mount Franken sparkling raspberry, like mm. flavored sparkling. I like flavored sparkling water, but yeah, this yeah. looks interesting. Like the flavors are more mm. um, interesting, maybe. I think um, the one at Woolies was on sale, so it was like six dollars, but they didn't have many flavors. And I wonder if that was like a special or something for Lunar New Year or whatever. Mm. Or it's like, yeah, the, the Macquarie place for some reason had it as well. I want to try the peach and the lychee. Yeah, and then they have apple, grape, which I've tried mm. and is very good. It looks like they have like aloe vera, and I think it's like, it looks like. Mandarin or orange or something. Mm. I'm gonna keep my eye out for this. 